Hello and welcome to this sponsor podcast from the OSCERT 2010 conference. I'm Patrick Gray. Our coverage of this event is sponsored by Microsoft and there's a few Microsofties floating about OSCERT's ninth annual event. Two of them, Carl Hanmore and Steve Adigbite, prepared this presentation titled Engagement Between National and Government Certs and the Vendor Community, Benefits and Challenges. It is, in part, a criticism of the way vendors and certs are actually dealing with each other. So I guess this talk is a couple of Microsoft guys just saying something along the lines of, we can do better. I hope you enjoy it. So, the really quick intro. Um, who's the guys up on stage? Carl Hanmore, work for Microsoft, doing cert engagement stuff specifically global and national certs um, and uh, governmental certs rather than the cert for mum and dad's fish and chip shop. Um, my background is at least for the previous four years in that national cert community. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's sort of where I'm coming from. <laughs> Steve? So I'm Steve Davidson. I'm one of the senior program manager leads within Microsoft. So I, I run a team that my colleague Carl Hamor sits on. And what I pretty much focus on is industry engagement, um, what we call early warning information sharing. So some of the things that we're going to talk about later on and how to engage the community to work on this thing that I'm going to talk about, talking about collaborative-based defense which you've probably been hearing a little bit about through some of the keynotes on how we should all work together. So, All right. So the other things, you know, normally you have a, a bit of a terminology slide. We're not going to have one of those. I just want to explain what I'm talking about when I say national certs and the vendor community and actually engagement. Because one of the realisations I've had going to Microsoft and starting to talk with people is I have a bug in the way that I communicate. When I say cert, I just instantly mean national cert. And I know what that means. Um, and you know, Carl's shorthand version is that's a cert that is bounded by a geography of a country that says we're responsible for everything in that country. And um, so w when you hear me say national cert, that's normally what I'm thinking, or if I'm saying the word cert, it's more or less what it is. But that really varies globally, and it's not really fair to uh, impose my view. But uh, that's where I've, I'm coming from when I've gone through these, these slides. Uh, the vendor community. Well, again, I don't actually mean the, the latest Ford or Chrysler vendor. I'm talking about IT vendors and actually more specifically software vendors. Um, there's probably some parallels for hardware vendors, but really we're looking at the software vendor space here. That's the, the bit of the world I live in at the moment, and uh, so that's where my frame of reference is. And engagement. By engagement, I mean actually properly working together. Not any of this uh, theoretical, oh yeah, let's have a partnership, public-private. That means we get together once per year, we be polite, and we go and have a beer afterwards. That's not really what I'm talking about with engagement. I'm talking about closer operational working relationships. So what are the challenges with all of this? Well, certs are from Mars and vendors from Venus. There's a big chasm between the two, generally. Uh, the problem is, I think, often we don't realise that there's a gap between not only our ideologies, but also our language set. Uh, the, the gulf between the cert world, especially the national cert world, and the vendor community is, is larger than I thought. Um, now, having sort of stepped on both sides of this, this chasm, um, my legs have got quite sore in the stretch. 
So one of the key areas where I, I, I've found differences and areas for concern uh, is actually in the, the mission. And actually, Daniel, can you make sure that you warn me about 10, 15 minutes before the end so this guy can have his fair share? Um, so the, the big gap is in... One of the big gaps is in the mission, right? So a cert generally is looking to serve the wishes of government of the day or the national interest, and that depends on the, the national cert model, whether it's a government cert or a, a non-government national cert, which uh, uh, is, is an existing entity. Um, they, they are still, still out there. Um, certs really are interested generally in looking after their constituents. What are their constituents? Well, that varies globally. Um, there might be two national certs in the, the globe that have the same constituency base conceptually, um, but you know, each national cert really has their own spin on what their actual constituents are. If you look at the vendor side, so their job isn't actually to serve the government of the day. Really, the bottom line for a vendor, unfortunately or fortunately, is to make money and increase shareholder value. Now, one likes to talk about it because it makes people sound evil, but actually that's the bottom line of every corporate, and certainly in Australia, if that isn't your bottom line and you're in a corporate, uh, then you can go to jail. So you know, that's the, the home truth, the ground truth for the corporate world. It's a commercial entity. Their job is to sell products or services. Now, those of us in the security space within vendors will say, well, actually, securing products is also part of that because without secured products, you can't sell products, and that's how security people working in the commercial industry can actually sleep at night. If you look back at the cert world, they're all about critical infrastructures. At the moment, that's the global rage. Everyone wants to care about their critical infrastructure, but not necessarily anything else. Varies by cert, varies by country, sometimes varies by time of day, whether or not the cert actually cares about mum and pop's fish and chip shop. On the vendor side, it's about protecting customers first and foremost. They're the people who pay your bills. Then the global ecosystem comes next. So sort of some analogy there between the, the two modes of engagement. In the cert world, there's a lot more either actually hands-on, boots-on-ground incident response, or at the very least, coordination and active involvement with victims of the problems. It's really part of the core mission. Whereas on the vendor side, it's more about the vulnerability space, how do we remediate vulnerabilities, and then the incident response stuff comes as a sort of a second piece on helping to inform that, that vulnerability space. The mandates of both organisations, well, inserts, often there's a very clear mandate, you must do this, meet this part of a legislation, or at least perform this role as blessed by government. It's normally around that national interest as a nationalistic sort of a thing. In the vendor community, the mandate question sort of probably just points back to the first bullet point, right? Make money. If you look at structure in organisations like certs and the vendor world, they're also pretty disparate. And I think the structural issues are, are one that are easy to overlook when trying to get engagement between the two groups. Certs are normally, often, government agencies. 
even if they're not a government agency, they, they have a, a sense of sovereignty. National cert, the word national, it implies sovereignty. They're about a given country. In the vendor world, it varies a great deal, but there's always a, a quite a formal hierarchy. Even in companies that profess not to have a hierarchy and have a flat management structure, if you look close enough, you can still find one. If you look at the cert world, it's normally small operational units. Um, although they might be part of broader government or broader organisations, they're normally small and quite nimble and agile. In the multinational space, organisationally, they can actually be like dealing with separate companies. Um, if you've ever dealt with a large vendor across more than one product area, you'll find this. It's like, oh, I thought I was speaking to the guy from Microsoft, but he's referred me to someone else. Why doesn't he know about Xbox Live? Sorry, guys. You know, So multinationals really have that juggernaut about them. Um, but there again, governments have the same, right? Um, hands up who's from the Australian government. <laughs> Keep those hands up if you all work in the same department or if you've met with each other before. <laughs> um, governments are also disparate. So for governments and national certs, understand, dealing with a large vendor isn't dealing with a large vendor. It's dealing with a lot of smaller vendors who all happen to have the same label most of the time. Um, where a cert lives within its um, constituency can also have a real impact on what they can do. And on the vendor side, well, they've got media and legal and all these sorts of concerns. And then interject where does the company come from and where is it trying to operate with that and you can get another quite a strong tension around the position of the bit of the company you're dealing with versus the bit of the cert. Operations. I mentioned before, certs are pretty agile. Generally, vendors are more considered. Um, I'm not saying for a second certs are irresponsible. It's just if you look at the speed of operation, Certs are generally living in internet time, globally. Um, some aren't, but most are getting there. And the vendor community is normally living in product lifecycle time. So there's a pretty big disconnect there. Certs are quite often risk-accepting. Um, you'll damage your camera. Uh, so certs are quite often risk-accepting. They'll, they'll have a punt at a problem. They'll have a go. Whereas in the corporate world, especially large corporates, have deep pockets... People like to put their hands into other people's deep pockets, so they're more cautious about risk. They have to deal with this global focus. Um, operationally, certs will deal with their country, that sovereign nature again. From a vendor perspective, generally they have to deal with a global corporate base and a global consumer base. So we're in a sovereign entity. You can just deal with your own constituents. You don't have to worry if you're the Dutch national cert about pushing stuff out in Spanish, I guess. Um, any international vendor does. They have to care about every country globally. So that's a really big disparity between operations and how nimble you can be as a result. Um, the CERT community is quite good at communicating amongst themselves. Uh, there's no real competition, at least not negative competition, in the CERT community. Everyone works together, everyone's trying to help each other out. There's this trading in data and trading in relationships that's well accepted. 
in the vendor community, things have to be a little bit more measured. There's things like competition to consider. By, by their very nature, they have to be more considered with some of this free flow of information. CERT communities often will work on a handshake. Uh, some of the best relationships I've seen in the global CERT community started over a pint of Guinness. That isn't generally the way in the corporate world. At the end of the day, although you've had the pint of Guinness, you're going to have a lawyer in the room negotiating a contract. And that can be a problem when you're trying to have CERTs and corporates working together when the CERTs are just saying, well, can't you just give it to me? And the corporates are saying, well, I've got this 45-page legal agreement I need you to sign. Oh, and by the way, it's in the jurisdiction of my head office. The fact that you're a sovereign country doesn't really matter so much. Come on, sign it over here. It's great. Eastern Uzbekistan, that's a great place to have your contract. The other sort of areas in the operations which are quite different, certs, quick and dirty. Right? I've seen some amazing, amazing functional code come out of the cert community. Um, heard presentations at the conference already about good functional code. Um, it's probably really, really effective and not quite at the standard that a commercial organisation would generally put out. So when you're dealing with a software vendor, for example, even their internal apps have to be robust. It's like, why do I have to care about robustness? It's just a little app I'm running on my desktop. Well, when you're a software company, you care about that. You have to do it right all the time. So there's a big disconnect between the way the certs can work and the way a corporate, especially in the software vendor community, has to work. Um, the cert community, normally, they're really interested on technical accuracy. So it doesn't matter how fine the point is, if there's a fine point to be made, the cert community expects that fine point will be made. In the vendor community, because they've got to look at all of the unwashed masses, they, they have to roll things up. They take all the fine points off of things, just so no one can hurt themselves, and end up with a more generic, effective message, what's the major point I need to get across? Some of the detail can be lost. This is an area where the certain vendor community will often butt heads. The certs are going, well, the vendors are being dishonest. And the vendors are saying, you're a bunch of geeks. If we use geek speak, no one will understand what we're talking about, apart from you. On the vendor uh, cert side, they're pretty much always dependent on the vendor to produce a patch for a vulnerability when we're talking in that vulnerability space. Obviously, there's a bunch of other work that certs do, but when you hit vulnerabilities, which is where you have to deal with a vendor, it's wait for the vendor to do it. And in the vendor world, they don't miss that pressure. They're aware that the responsibility is on them and fully on them to actually deliver these fixes. Um, so a couple of sort of odd challenges also that I've come across when I've been looking at this, you know, pointing out some of the really big gaps in comparing and contrast the way people work. But there's a few odd things which I couldn't find any symmetry really in, but they're still there, things I've encountered. So, with typos included, um, what bit of the vendor do I need to deal with? Do you need to deal with one part of the vendor if you're a cert, or two parts, or ten parts? If you're, a vend if you're a cert based in Latvia, do you have to deal with the vendor's Latvia su Latvian subsidiary and then their European subsidiary and then their corporate headquarters back here in Australia? Hard things to know. There's no answer. 
these are just weird challenges that come up when you try to get these two communities to mesh. Again, from the CERT perspective, um, how do you share back to a vendor community, right? The CERTs are pretty good at change, sharing information amongst themselves, but how do you share back to a big vendor? Not only where do you share back, but what do you share back? What's of interest? What's the benefit? Can you deal with the fact that you have sensitive information that's valuable to the vendor to help them protect you and your constituents? How do you solve that, especially if the vendor's not headquartered in your country? What happens when contact points of the vendors move on? Change of staff, vendor goes dark, you've only been dealing with one person there, oops, that's a problem. Um, especially as the vendor community seems to pull the pin on staff and staff pull the pin much more rapidly than the SIR community does. And the other problem being a CERT is that the vendor community isn't really a community anyway. So the way Microsoft looks at certs will be different slightly to the way Cisco looks at certs and the way that Juniper looks at certs. Every vendor looks at the cert community slightly different. There's a bit of coalescence happening now, maybe starting with things like Acassi, trying to get commonality of thought. But being a cert at the moment, dealing with vendor community, still a bit of a challenge. From the vendor side, what the heck is a national cert? Like, who the hell are you coming and knocking on my door telling me I need to give you stuff? How do I verify that you're the authority in your economy or your country that I need to deal with? Some countries have two national certs or three. Which one do I deal with? Do I need to deal with all of them? Normally when there's three national certs in a country, they all hate each other. <laughs> and they'll all claim to be the national cert. How do you solve this problem as a vendor? It's a problem I've been looking at. I don't know. I don't have an answer, but I would encourage anyone who has one to come and talk to me afterwards because I'd dearly like to have it. At the moment, there are some places where there's a list of national certs. Do you trust that? Maybe. That's sort of a start, I guess. What happens from the vendor community when the national cert changes from org to org? Internal politics. Government departments get renamed, collapsed... Organisations change from one structure to another. How do you reconcile that from a vendor community? It's like, oh, so Malaysia's had some change in the way they do their structure, different names. Is it still the same? How do we understand that when we're not deeply embedded into the community? Loss of key contact points, just the same as it happens in the vendor world. It does happen in the cert space. People move on. It's a real problem. It's, it's a problem I've run into in my short time at Microsoft of a year where I've lost key contact points in national certs. Wow. Well, that's a big bunch of fail on my part for not having multiple contacts. But at the end of the day, these things that, uh, happen. And one of the other really odd problems with dealing with the cert community from the vendor space is the laws that are country-specific. And so the way that you can work as a vendor with one national cert doesn't necessarily port to another national cert. And so... The flip side of that for the CERT is when they're requesting stuff from a vendor, they need to understand that the mould the vendor may has, have for CERTs fits the least common denominator. Why? Because that's the only way to get scalability. But these are sort of some of the odd challenges that I've seen about the interaction between the vendor community. It's not just Microsoft. I've been fortunate enough to talk to colleagues in, in other vendors. Um, 
these are some of the sort of the broad problems with trying to step over that gap. How do we fix it? No idea. Um, no idea didn't look too good on the slides. <laughs> so instead, you know, well, maybe people need to understand each other's motivations and ideologies a little bit more and how they do their business, how they do their day job. Maybe we can look at secondments between industry and certs, certs and industries. You know, have a guy from country X cert embedded in vendor X for a while to learn their business. Don't know how well the corporates, vendors will like that. Maybe it'll work. Have someone from a vendor Im- embedded in a national cert. Well, what does that mean about access to sensitive information? How could we solve that? Well, they're problems you can all solve. But uh, it's one of those things that could help to raise this level of understanding. Uh, the other thing at the end of the day is real and actual engagement. So each party looking for win-wins, which I hate the phrase, but unfortunately it's true. The thing I don't want to hear any more of is public-private partnerships, unless they're followed by action. We have all been talking about this stuff for five years plus. It's been the buzz phrase. Every OSCERT conference in the past five years, people have talked about working more closely together. Um, I'm quite frankly fed up with hearing it. All of us as an industry need to find an excuse to actually do it. Start small, start dirty, it doesn't matter, just start moving in that direction. So talking about moving in that direction and trying to at least start getting some of this stuff working, I'll hand over to Steve. (laughs) Thanks, Carl. So I guess I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Microsoft's perspective and how we think that we can wind up solving a few of these problems that we've been talking about. So the one thing that's always funny and familiar that I put out there is this old paradigm. Can everybody see back there? Probably a little bit grainy. This sits on my wall to make sure to, to let me remind myself on basically the problems that a defenders face every day. Now, you're a defender. You're sitting on a wall. You have this big frontage that you, have to de- you really defend, and you have these hordes that are at your gate. That horde, or at least that army, only thing they have to do to wind up getting inside your gates or at least exploiting or making a bad day for you is to find one mouse hole and then it's game over. But you as a defender, you have to defend all your frontage. You have to know where every mouth hold is. You have to know if that wall's integrity is strong enough to withstand any type of volleys there. It's, it's funny that when we look back at this, this is back in the medieval days. Obviously, it's a little bit funny because you have the, the hordes that look like animals, essentially. It looks like something out of, uh, what's that, the Lords of the Rings coming out there. But it's funny that that's essentially how we as defenders are fighting. You know, back in the medieval days, you had this thing, you draw a moat around there because you, why? You wanted to be able to put some distance between your attackers and have a barrier. Now we, you know, for us, we put them as firewalls. And then you have other aspects of it. It's the same old problem that we've been looking at for time. The one difference that's changed right now is that right now we're savvy. We're a lot faster. The one common thing that seems to be the same is information. Information of whether that wall can withstand things. Information from your neighbors to find out, did they get attacked about a day ago? And is, are those attackers on their way towards you? It's the same thing when it comes to defending a network, defending the Internet. You need information. And Microsoft, looking at a lot of things, realized, wow, if we found a way to wind up providing information to be able to enhance and enable the community, that's the defenders, to come around and actually do their job, that it would be a good thing. Now, so like Carl talked about, the vendors do have a different understanding about sharing information, especially sensitive information, than certs do, and national certs. You know, for us, we look at it, are we going to 
wind up providing information that's going to wind up harming our consumers? You know, are they going to be able to protect the information in the same way that we would protect it since it's our own, our own intellectual property? So about a year ago, I started on a little crusade that really basically got me feeling like that red, blue, or blue pill. I had to wind up within Microsoft. If you remember before, like the 2002 memo before Microsoft took security seriously, there was a lot of closed type of conversations that people would have with Microsoft where we wouldn't share information. It was pretty much somebody would say, here's a vulnerability. Okay, well, very well, thank you. And it would be quiet and be silent. And next time, about a month later or something down the line, you get an update. And there would be nothing else talked about, no comments. Getting that mindset to go, look, we have defenders that are defending our mutual consumers. And the only thing that they seem to be asking for is, what's going on with this information? What's the technical vulnerability that you're updating? How can I sit up there and actually use this information for my risk mitigation decisions? What Data, 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 and data. So talking with a lot of execs and going around and saying, look, this would really help us if we can wind up providing this information to our third-party defenders in such a way where they can actually build protections to protect our mutual customers. So essentially, I walked up to a lot of execs and like, do you want the red pill or do you want the blue pill? And started explaining, with the red pill, you know, we go out there, we'll decide to send provide information to basically vendors, which we looked at third-party software protection providers, people that are doing the antivirus, IDS, and IPS. Or we take the blue pill and we put our heads down and say, you know, we go back into the regular world and we just believe everything is, is fine, like Neo in the Matrix. Well, luckily, a lot of execs took the red pill and they allowed me to create a program called the Microsoft Active Protection Program. And that program was designed to basically give technical information prior to our updates being available so that IDS and AV vendors can sit up there and understand the problem, work through the technical details, build signatures, so hopefully at time when we release the update, you'll be also getting an updated signature for your firewalls as well. So now we took a whole different paradigm where the attackers and the defenders used to be in the same boat at day zero. We used to go, you know, ex um, update Tuesday, exploit Wednesday. Now we took the attackers out of, we took out the defenders out of that and we gave them extra time so they could build signatures at the same time so we could shrink that vulnerability window that people would have while they're waiting to apply the updates. At least your firewall will be able to say, hey, we're seeing an exploit for this update. Well, what actions do you want us to take and be able to stop that at your border gates? We also did a, something a little bit different as well is that we started figuring out we had a lot of this information and we had a lot of smart people that would look at vulnerabilities every month and they could almost start to predict which vulnerabilities would wind up being attacked first, either looking at how complex it was to get you know, code onto the box, how it was hard to build functional exploit code. So when we started building that bottle of knowledge, it was like, wow, if we actually wind up providing this out there, maybe people will start prioritizing their updates by going, wow, if I think exploit code is going to be against this update within 30 days, then that's probably the one I need to priority first. So we came out with this thing called the Microsoft Exploitable Index, where essentially every month in the updates, we would say which ones we believe exploit code was going to be rated. So a year later, some, uh, we started seeing a lot of good things. Half of the things you see on the, on, the, on the screen right there is that, wow, we actually stepped ahead of everybody in the industry. And a lot of the industry partners started coming to us and say, how did you do it? So that they could wind up providing, or they were getting pressured to do it because people started to understand that if we can sit up there and, as a, vendors can wind up helping third-party software protection providers that consumers depend on, that we're starting to work in this thing that we started calling collaborative-based defense. So 
Luckily for that, I, didn't, I still had a job because everybody before that, it was a hard thing of, of getting information out and actually starting these programs. But luckily, we still, uh, that skeptical baby wound up changing this, the mindset for a lot of people. So there goes the obligatory uh, marketing slide. So all you guys can attest, and any t- anybody from Microsoft Act that I put the marketing slide up, I did. This really just goes and talks about the Microsoft Active Protections Program, which has been out for about a year. So we will... Uh, go through that. This is the coalition that we wind up building. By sharing the information and putting it in a structured program to talk a little few things that Carl was talking about, how can you sit there and provide information securely? How can you put it on a repeatable fashion? How can you disseminate it within industry so that people can use it? That kind of helped out with this. <laughs> you know, within this the program, within about a year and a half right now, we have close to over 65 plus vendors, software protections, even competitors against Microsoft inside this program, getting information monthly to sit there and protect consumers. So it was actually a good thing within there, and it's really the step forward of Microsoft put in there to actually work collaboratively rather than talking about working on our vendors and our borders. The one question that started, we started looking at after a year, and you know, we kind of looked and said, well, it was great and successful and everything else. One thing we started noticing, too, industry and third-party software protection providers, those aren't the only defenders out there. There are actually national certs. <laughs> there are national agencies, national entities that are actually just really sitting there protecting critical infrastructure. What about them? Well, we started looking around, and a couple of programs that we had, we, you know, people started talking, well, we have the government security program. Well, yeah, we do. It does provide access to source code, but it's just source code. And the source code doesn't really point to where wow, well, we found a vulnerability within here, and if anybody ever used those type of techniques in creating, because in software, there's always software reuse, how many people are actually code here? Okay, so you have coders. How many of you guys actually just write original code and actually pull, or just pull some other code that's function, that's useful into your code? Almost everybody does. So even looking at our source code, there's techniques that we've put out there that people are probably using. So having access to that and not pointing out where here's a security flaw in a way of a method of using this type of code, really doesn't help the greater, the greater good within that. So that's where one of the places where the government security program kind of fell a little bit short. Then we had another program too, the security cooperation program, which we have a special program within it for just certs, where we share information or at least let them know what updates are coming out there and everything else. But it wasn't really, all it did was tell people, okay, here's the update that's coming out, be prepared and nothing else. Really doesn't give you a good sense on what to do and what defensive actions you need to do. So, our answers to this and this. You guys are the first ones all over the world hearing about this. So, Microsoft, about, I've been looking at this problem for about a year, and we've decided and found a way to create a program that essentially is going to wind up giving those information and those pieces that we've been talking about to national certs as well as national entities that protect critical infrastructure. One thing that this new program, the Defensive Information Sharing Program, is going to wind up doing is that it's going to wind up sharing some of the technical details from the updates that I want to providing monthly to national certs as well as national entities that are in the government security program as well as the security cooperation program. So really, what does that mean? Essentially, at a time before prior to the monthly update, what people are going to receive inside these programs, uh, they're going to receive, here's what Microsoft is updating. Here's the technical information behind it, stack traces, as well as source code or where this, this uh, 
vulnerability that we're updating within there. And they're also going to re receive the monthly exploit index. So you're actually going to get a stack ranking that says these are the top ones we believe are going to be exploited with the technical details. So now that you can do your risk decision and risk mitigation and go, okay, I have this type of information that needs to be here. I need to protect it here prior to the update being publicly available so that you wind up creating this defensive um, perimeter within yourself, or at least a defensive idea of like, these are the things I need to protect and here's why. So that's the defensive information sharing program. Also, uh, pilot, the, uh, the second pilot program is gonna be the critical infrastructure protection program that's gonna wind up focusing solely on different methods and strategies on how to protect critical infrastructure. So now you have a resource from Microsoft that's focused solely on the problems of protecting critical infrastructure. So we're hoping between those two programs that we're going to wind up shifting this paradigm of the right ways that we can wind up sharing information, the right ways we can help with government, and their one problem that we commonly share. How do you protect critical infrastructure that relies and runs on Microsoft's technology? Now, this is the probably the funny thing about it. Why would Microsoft or any vendor want to want to do this? Well, here's the whole bottom thing, and I think I got one more minute left. Three more minutes. Okay. Wrap it up all in a complete nutshell. This isn't a problem that we can fix ourselves. This is really a collaborative problem. I have yet to walk into any organization where they got a Microsoft firewall, Microsoft antivirus, they got a Microsoft desktop system. It really is a collaborative type of environment. There is no such thing as you know, one vendor owning everything all. It's something that we have to move together in figuring out a collaborative base way of defending the internet. The attackers wind up doing it, but I find rarely do defenders, even though we still talk about sharing, 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 there's still a level of sharing that we won't go past. And what I'm saying with that, there's, there shouldn't be a barrier. If you remove all the sources on where you're getting the information from, you, know, you wanna making, you wanna be able to provide information that just goes into the who and how it did. I don't wanna know exactly where or who happened. Tell me a story. Tell me a story about person A, B, and C. Leave out all the details of what company and everything else because I really don't care that you wind up getting hacked. I do care the method that you wind up getting hacked because that information I can share with other people and I can learn from myself and start to help things. And that's one of the reasons why Microsoft is stepping ahead and saying we need to wind up providing this information so that defenders can wind up using this information, providing authoritative information back to the constituents. And here's the one thing that I forgot to say uh, that Carl talked about. There's a disparate entities within national governments. Well, in this program, in this pilot program, information is going to be able to be shared within departments within the same government. That's the good thing that's going to be a key. So if you're in disparate parts of a government that are working on the same problem, Microsoft is going to provide this information to the national entities or whoever's within this program and allow them to share within that agency as well. So you shouldn't have to have uh, this person A that's over here that's working on this problem, this person B over here that's working on it as well, and them not be able to share the information because he signed the NDA with Microsoft and we won't let him share with that. Those things are gone with the, with the DISC program. So we're hoping that basically now we'll start to do this collaborative-based defense, and I think I am just about finished and wrap up. <laughs> Sorry about that and <laughs> everything else. I don't know if we even have time for questions, but I'm, I'm around all week, so if you want to ask me more about the programs or anything else, or the reason why we even decide to do it, please come find me.